Good morning. Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 this morning. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to take all of our points right out of Genesis chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, or if you prefer, the scriptures are going to be up here on the screen as always. In the 14th century in Belgium, there was a duke whose name was Reynolf III. But the people that he ruled over uh, referred to him by a Latin word, crassus, which means fat. And the reason they called him that is because he was shockingly obese. Now, he wasn't that way young in his life. It was when he began to rule and he began to take advantage of situations and he began to eat everything that he could see while people around him were starving that he got so big that he couldn't even fit through a normal door. They had to remove doors in his castle, make larger uh, openings for him to, to come and to go. Now, after a very heated argument With his younger brother, Edward, Edward led a successful revolt against Raynal. And he didn't execute Raynal, which is what everybody expected him to do. Instead, what he did was built a room around Raynal. And he told him, when you can leave this room, I will give you your title back. I will give you your property back. You just have to be able to leave the room. Now, there were windows in the room, and there was a door in the room, but the problem was Raynal could not fit through any of these openings. So, to be free, he had to drop some pounds, right? But his brother, knowing Raynal's weakness, sent him his favorite foods morning, noon, and night. And instead of resisting the temptation so he could lose the weight that he needed to to get outside of the room, he actually grew larger. His size was the fruit of his inability to deal with the root of what was controlling his life, which was uncontrolled desires. So we're starting a new sermon series this morning called Lies That We Tell Ourselves. Lies That We Tell Ourselves. The tagline is, I can handle it. We tell ourselves these things at times, don't we? So we're just going to go straight for the jugular this morning, okay? The lie that I'm going to show you that you can't handle this morning is sin. You can't handle sin, so let's stop lying about it. St. Augustine wrote, sin comes in when we take a perfectly natural desire, longing, or ambition and try desperately to fulfill it without God's control in our life. The Greek word for sin, the Greek word translated sin 
in the New Testament is actually an archery term. It means to miss the mark or to, to miss the target. Sin in our lives is where we have missed the target trying to deal with our own issues without God. And sin is the, the harvest of fruit, and I've said this before. This is about the time that people usually go, I mean, I don't like that, is when you start getting the, the harvest of the sin in our lives. But if we don't deal with the root of what's going on, it's like going out to an apple tree. If you go out there and go, I hate apples, I don't like all these apples, and you pull all the apples off the tree, what happens next year? Apples grow back, don't they? There's more fruit. The only way to stop that tree from producing apples is to cut down the tree. Okay? In Luke 3, 9, it says, Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Sin is not good for us. But what we're not going to do this morning is just spend time going, don't cuss, don't drink, it's bad, don't do it. Okay, that's not what we're going to do. Sometimes we don't like the effects of things that we've allowed to come into our lives but we're not going to spend time going, don't do this, don't do this, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. We're going to talk about the root issues going on, all right? So three things I want you to know about sin. There's always a seed. There's always a seed, and there are roots, and there is an ultimate cost. Did you find Genesis? It's the very first book. For those of you still flipping through the Bible, it's the very first book, Okay. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. Now, if you've not been around church for a long time, like, like most of us, you may not understand that, that the serpent represents the enemy, okay? You got that? And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? He's already, he's already stretching the truth. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the, the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So I want to just show you here real quickly the seed of sin. In, in this instance right here, the seed of sin is questioning the goodness of God. Questioning the goodness of God. This is what the enemy said. He said, you won't die. He's saying God's a liar. He said, your eyes will be open. In other words, God's holding out on you. And third, he said, 
that you will know good and evil. In other, way, in other words, God's way is not always the best way. So here's the enemy sowing these lies, speaking these lies. It's the seed. And when we begin to listen, we allow that seed to be planted into our soul, into our emotions, into our mind. So once the seed is planted, there's three roots from this story that we want to look at. And as we go through it, let's recognize in our own hearts and in our own lives where we need to take an ax to the root of these. So Genesis 3, 6 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. So here's the first root of sin. Believing I can take care of myself. We're missing the target when we believe we are the source of our provision. I can make it happen. I don't need anyone else. And this root is allowed to grow when we water the seed that God is a liar. See, Scripture says that God wants to be our provider. He said that he would meet all of our need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. If God wants to be the meter of our needs, why do we want to meet our own needs? Why do we want to try to make it happen ourselves? And there, there are legitimate needs. Food is a legitimate need, right? But God had already surrounded them with provision. Listen again to what the scripture said. Eve said, the fruit of the trees of the garden. The fruit of the trees of the garden. More than one. And knowing God who does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, there was, there was a forest of trees that God's saying, eat this, eat this, eat this. There's just one tree in the middle. Just one. You've got all of this, just stay away from the one. You ever told a toddler, don't touch that? You got a whole room of toys you can play with, don't stick your finger in the electric socket. How many of you ever stuck your finger in an electric socket? <laughs> there were all these things that you could be playing with, yet that socket said, I must be touched. And this is the way that it was. God had provided so much already. Just don't touch that one. I'm absolutely convinced they didn't even have to see the one. There was so much going on that, that God was providing. They could have stayed away from the one. Yet what do we do? I want to see the one. I just want to look at it. I'm not going to touch it. I just want to look at it. Oh, look at it over there. Why didn't God want me to touch the one? He had so much provision Yet as humans, we're pulled toward that one thing that he says, no, stay away from this. I promise you, it's better for you. Stay away from this. Denying God as our source of provision 
makes us our own source. Therefore, I am being my own God. Therefore, I am worshiping myself. So to take an ax to the root of this kind of self-centeredness, because that's really what it is, we must think differently and begin to trust God in the big things and in the small things. See, when it's something that's truly outside of our, our ability to do it, we, we want to run to God, don't we? And he wants us to run to him. But our faith is built in the little things, trusting him for the little things. And sometimes we need a prayer, pray a prayer like this one that I, that I read this week. It says, Dear God, so far today I've done everything right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, or nasty. And I haven't been overindulgent. And God, I'm so thankful for that. But in a few minutes, I'm going to have to get out of bed. <laughs> and from then on, I'm going to need a lot of help. But we need to trust God in the big and the small, right? All right, moving on. Genesis 3, 6, again. And there, and it was a delight to the eyes. And it was a delight to the eyes. She saw that it was good for food, and it was also pretty. It was also sparkly. It was also shiny. There was something going on saying it was a delight to the eyes. So here's the second root of sin, seeking pleasure above purpose. Seeking pleasure above purpose. We're missing the target when our primary goal is getting stuff that makes me happy. That's really greed. It's lust for more. And understand, lust isn't just a, a sexual thing. It's an unhealthy desire or craving for something. And this root is allowed to grow when we water the seeds that God is holding out on me. He doesn't want me to have what I want. And I've said this before, but God is not as interested in your happiness as he is about your holiness. Okay? We call it the American dream, and there is nothing wrong with dreaming as Americans, right? But sometimes we confuse the blessings of God with the lust that I have for more, especially when there are those around us who have nothing. God doesn't mind you having new cars, new houses, new whatever it is. But we know that we're stepping outside of the boundaries. And I've, I've heard people say this. God blessed me with this new job. But I can't come to church anymore. Was that really the blessing of God? God blessed me with this new house. But now I have to work so many more hours so I can pay for it. It is stretched as thin. So therefore, you know, I can't give in the offering. Sometimes we confuse the blessings of God 
with things we wanted just because we got it. Oh, God blessed me. No, we took it. We did it. Okay? If I, if I took a poll in here this morning and I said, you know, the story in Genesis where God destroyed the city of Sodom. If I took a poll and I said, why do you think God destroyed the city of Sodom? 99.9% of people are going to say something like because of perversion. And I'm not saying that that might not have been a, a fruit of some things that were going on. But according to, to Ezekiel chapter 16, the root of what was going on in Sodom and the reason that God destroyed Sodom was because there was arrogance and an abundance of provision and they stopped taking care of the poor. Did you hear me? God does not like it when we hoard up things for ourselves and we don't take care of those around us. It leads us to a place of arrogance. So, to take an axe to this type of greed, we must think differently and pursue the purposes of God above my own desires. The Marquis de Lafayette was a, a French officer who served with George Washington in the American Revolution. And after the war, he went back to France where he was a, uh, a wealthy landowner and a wealthy farmer. And in the year 1873, there was crop failure all throughout uh, France. And people lost everything that they owned because their, their crops failed. And that's, that's how they fed themselves. That's how they, they made money. But for some reason, Lafayette's farms didn't suffer the crop failure that everybody else did. And the man that ran his farms for him came to him and gave him what seemed like very sound advice. He said, because of the crop failures, the price of wheat has just gone up so much. Now is the time to sell, and you're going to make a huge profit. And Lafayette thought about it, and he thought about the, the villages around his farms where people were so desperate, so poor, so broken now. And he said, no, now is not the time to sell. Now is the time to give. We've got to have a heart like that. God blesses us not just for our own benefit, but also for the purpose of being a blessing to others in need. The tendency to hoard and try to build up more and more for ourselves is dangerous. And the best antidote to greed is give. All right, moving on. Genesis 3, 6 again. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. It was good for fruit. It was pretty. And it's going to make me smart. 
So here's the third root of the sin. Feeling that I deserve this. Feeling that I deserve this. We're missing the target when we, will look, when we look for shortcuts instead of discipleship. And pride, obviously, is the cause of this root. And this root is allowed to grow when we water the seed that God's way isn't always the best way. It sounds like this. I've paid my dues. I deserve I'm better than all of them at this anyway. God is taking too long. When we allow this root to grow, we're saying that we know better than God what we need, when we need it, and how we'll get it. There was a group of Americans that um, went on on one of these uh, group tours to Ireland. And part of the, part of the tour was they were going to stop at uh, Blarney Castle in Ireland where famously you can go kiss the Blarney Stone and supposedly you will have good luck for the rest of your life. But on this tour there was a, a, a woman who thought because of, of her wealth and because of her family connections and because the fact that her husband had a job in government that she deserved more than everybody else. She was better than everybody else. She thought she deserved to be the first in line wherever they went. She thought that uh, she deserved the best seat wherever they were. In fact, she thought that she deserved whatever she demanded. Not a very happy person. And if anybody tried to challenge her on it, she would say, I know the owners of this agency that does this tour group. I'll have you removed. Or if it was an employee, I'll have you fired. Now, the day that they, they made it to Blarney Castle, the, the Blarney Stone was actually roped off, and you couldn't get to it. They were doing some repairs, and this, this just sent our little brat over the edge. <laughs> she said, I demand to kiss the Blarney Stone. I have come to Ireland to kiss the Blarney Stone. I demand and if I don't get my way, there's going to be consequences. Now, the tour leader who had been listening to her for the last week, he'd had about enough. But he told her, you know, the legend says that if you kiss somebody that has kissed the Blarney Stone, or if you kiss something that has touched the Blarney Stone, you get the same good luck as the person that had kissed it. And she said in an, an angry voice, I suppose you've kissed the Blarney Stone. He said, no, but I've sat on it. <laughs> Don't act like that. Let God say when, 
where, and how he's going to do things in your life. Don't demand. Don't be that person. All right, here's our last point. There's a cost to sin. And the cost of sin is loss of identity. Genesis 3, 7 says, at that moment, their eyes were opened. As Adam and Eve ate, says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Adam and Eve lost their connection with God through sin. And along with that, they lost their true identity. They had walked with God. They had known God. That's all they knew was God's provision. And they lost it all in a moment. They no longer knew who they were. They had lived in a place where every need was met, but sin had removed it. When their, when their identity changed, what filled in that empty space was shame. Wherever there are areas in our lives where we're struggling with sin, struggling with these roots of sin, it is an indication of a lack of identity a lack of true godly identity in our lives. And where we lack identity, shame will interpret our circumstances. Wrong identity and shame will cause us to try to fix ourselves by trying to fix our sin problem. Guess what? You can't fix your sin problem. You can't. Even if you could control the fruit a little bit, even if you've got enough willpower to control the fruit a little bit, only God can deal with the root that's going on inside of us. God wants to fix our identity problem, which will eliminate the shame and help us understand that God dealt with our sin on the cross. I've been studying through the book of Romans, and I've got all these, these uh, uh, commentaries out, and I read this in the Spirit Life commentary this week. It says, the cross of Christ focuses on the grace and justice of God. Surely we can see that there is no contrast of equals when we see the smallness of sin in the shadow of of immense grace and justice. Do you hear that? The smallness of sin. There is no contrast of equals. Just like there is no contrast of equals between God and Satan, our sin is small in comparison to the magnitude of God's grace, mercy, and love in our lives. Remember the Duke that we started with, Duke Raynal? Duke Raynal of Belgium, he stayed in his room 
his prison cell room that his brother had built for him for 10 years. He only got out when his brother died. And he had people dismantle the room. But the sad part is, he never dealt with the issue that actually held him prisoner. His own appetite. Is there something going on in our lives that is keeping us prisoner because we're feeding it? Is there an area in our life where we're not walking in the true identity as a son and daughter of God? Is there a place where shame has interpreted our circumstances for us and we believe things can't change? What are the places where we're missing the mark? Let's take an ax to the root of sin and eliminate shame by pursuing God's grace and God's justice and see sin's hold weaken as we awaken to our true identity. Amen? So what do I want you to know? You can't handle sin. You were never meant to handle sin. But sin does show us where we lack identity in Christ. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel empowered to recognize the roots of sin operating in your life. And I want you to feel the longing of the Father's heart to set you free. What do I want you to do? Stop telling yourself the lie that you can handle sin. Stop allowing the enemy to sow these lies into your heart that God is a liar, that God's holding out on you, and God's way isn't always the best. I want you to ask the Lord, where in your life is your identity skewed? Where are you allowing shame to interpret your situation? Then take a stand and as as an anointed child of God next to your heavenly father and watch him lay an ax to the roots of sin in our lives.